Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Own the Microphone. I am really thrilled about today's guest because he and I share something, something in common. He and I attended historically Black universities or HBCUs as they are known. And there's just a connection that we have. It's one of those things where if you see someone wearing an HBCU t-shirt in a grocery store, you, you just instantly, you're waving at them. There's this, this, I don't know, this kindred spirit between us, but everybody, I'm so happy to have Howard White with me today. Howard, welcome to the show. Hey, Bridget, thanks a lot. You're absolutely right. As HBCUs, we're one big family and um, you're my cousin. Hey, you're first cousin because you're in the SWAC. You're a Prairie View <laughs> grad and uh, me being a Southern grad, we that's how I look at it and um, definitely there. And my son's there now. I just talked to him at the time of this recording uh, this morning. So he's on the hill, as they yes, say. Yes, Prairie View A&M University, part of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, the SWAC. No better place. And I'll, I'll fight anybody who disagrees with me on that. Now, in addition to, be, to being an HBCU alum, Howard is also a professional speaker, which, you know, surprise, surprise, that's kind of why I have him on the show. Hey, we've got Howard. a few checks, a few checks. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Howard, were you uh, like super talkative as a child? Were you like me? I was the, the, the Sunday school uh, secretary. I love getting up doing my reports at the end of Sunday school, and I got talks too much on all of my report cards. Oh. <laughs> you know, you're going to take me all the way back to Prentice, Mississippi, uh, Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church, uh, church, uh, and 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 literally, you know, when I think about it, a lot of us as African Americans, and if you grew up in a church household, you had a lot of great speaking opportunities in church, and and I always say. The great thing about doing those speeches or doing programs in churches, everybody was supportive. So it was, it was a great incubator, if you would, uh, to, to grow that talent and skill. And so um, I probably was that talkative person, but I think I was the one that always asked questions. You know, uh, I was more of that investigator because my dad, I, I, I jokingly say my dad, he never would answer a question, Bridget. He literally will say, uh, I paid $238 for that set of encyclopedias. Go look it up first and then tell me what, what you found. So I could not ask him anything uh, without him flipping the script. And I find myself being the same way. But it, it served me well because I look to know more. And when you think about it as a speaker, that's one of the key things. If you're speaking to an organization, you really need to know as much about them as possible so you can share what you think they need or um, what they feel they need uh, from that standpoint. But uh, yeah, so no, you took me back there. And, uh, you know, I want to share one story. I remember the first time I spoke outside of church. Okay. Uh, and, and I lean on this too, no matter how big the crowd I get into. I was a, a sophomore and I was attending a program at Jackson State. So let me set the tone. Uh, I live 60 miles from um, Jackson, Mississippi, where I grew up from. And my parents would either put me on a bus 
and my aunt would pick me up for me to go to this weekend program called summer science program, which helped me a lot as a student and, you know, as an engineer, but the people over picked me to do the speech. So here I am a sophomore and I'm in here with 200 and some other students and they picked me. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but here's what happened. Here we are on this banquet table, which, you, you know, you've probably been there on the head table. But right before I got ready to go up, probably about five or 10 minutes before, and this was in May, I still see it. My, my, and uh, the lady next to me knocked her water over in my lap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had a brown suit on. Um, it was spring. Okay. <laughs> so here I am already nervous because here we are, you know, 200 students, their parents there. So this room had probably five or 600 people in it. That I didn't know it was outside of church. And so I had, okay, so here my mind immediately go, how can I get up to the podium and get married to the podium without people realizing that my pants are wet? Now, outside of that lady and my mom, nobody knows because my mom said, well, you didn't do as you practice. What happened? You just stood there. Yeah, like you was nervous. I was like, I wasn't nervous, mom. My pants were wet. <laughs> she was like, what do you mean? <laughs> so I had to share the story with her. So, you know, one of the things I said, if, you know, if I could get up with my pants soaking wet and speak in front of a lot of strangers, I can speak anywhere. And so find something to draw from, you know, that has already challenged you. And that's what I do when I, um, you know, speak now. So I always take myself back to that one story. And so that makes me think about what I was going to ask you earlier. You were saying how, you know, growing up in the church and making presentations in the church, you had all all of these supporters around you. Mm -hmm. But what do you do when you may not have a room full of supporters or I don't know, maybe you don't have those friendly faces and you don't have the wet pants (laughs) <laughs> what, do you, what do you do to, <laughs> to make sure you are a success? I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at it, when I look at it is, I figured, you know, especially now, and I didn't originally have this, this, this approach, is that, number one, everyone has a different speaking style, but for some reason, they ask Howard White to speak. And so I need to be myself. You know, I don't try to Im- Im- uh, imitate any other speaker, you know, I have a couple of speaking coaches that I've hired over the years. And they will say, well, you got to do it this way. I'm like, man, this is totally uncomfortable. Teach me the principle of, of sharing the message. And then, I'll, you know, my personality and allow me to develop my own process. And, that, and that's what I've started doing. But going back to your point is if someone invites you to speak or ask you to share, that means, number one, they feel you have something to say. Number two is that they care about you. Otherwise, they're not going to put you up there in front of their audience if they didn't care about you and their audience. So now get up and share. That's the one thing I would tell you, get up and share. You know, I I, I never thought of it quite that way. I, I, I've thought of it in those terms similar to that, but not quite that way. Like yeah. they would not have made the request. Someone would not have said, <laughs> Let's have ABC talk to us about marketing. Let's have Joe talk to us about whatever social media. It did not believe you had it in you. So get up there. What was it you said? Get up there and share. Get up there and share. That's it. I mean, that's what you're doing. And, 
you know, there are, there's structure to sharing, but the main thing is to get up and share because, you know, I have this prayer that I say, Bridget, that um, before I speak, and it's this simple, God, allow me to be a river and not a reservoir. Allow what has been poured into me to flow through me so that it can be deposited and utilized by who needs it best. And yes, I've prepared, but oftentimes, just like you, when I go back and listen to a recording or I've said things I've never said before. I think of stories that I didn't write down. Um, And so that is me getting out of my own way. And that's one thing you have to do when you speak is get out, get out, get out of your own way. When you said there is a structure to sharing, will you talk to us a little bit more about that? Because you you give listeners a sense of power when you say, hey, listen, somebody believed that you had something valuable that needs to be put out to the universe. So get on up there and share. But then there's also a framework to the sharing. There's also a structure. It doesn't mean you can just get up there and wing it. Will you talk to us a little bit more about not just sharing, not just kind of throwing it out there, but how do you structure things or what's the importance behind structuring this sharing? You know, one of the things I always do, whether it's uh, extemporaneous speech, uh, meaning that someone may just call me off the cuff and say, hey, Howard, I need you to be here this afternoon, or it's a keynote speak in front of, you know, several thousand people where I may have a two-month preparation time. Um, I begin with the end in mind. And so... You know, if I'm, uh, and, I'll, and I'll talk both virtual and, and uh, in person, you know, what is it that you want the person listening to you to leave with? If they could leave with one thing that will help their lives, what is that one thing you would want the audience to leave with? Okay, now write three of those. And that begins to shape your, 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 your presentation. Um, you know, one advice I give the speakers is if you have time, interview the audience. You know, right before COVID hit, I, I spoke for an organization. And so when they uh, contracted with me, I told the guy, I said, hey, I need to talk to, give me six of your top people. I want to go do a quick interview with them. Understand their successes, their journeys, but I use their stories instead of talking about Howard White all the time. So when I wanted to make a point, I would bring a point out of one of those interviews. And what was interesting was the guy that brought me in, he said, man, I learned more about my people tonight than I knew about them already. Wow. Wow. And so that was, you know, um, and then, you know, you know, it's a little different in structure, but be different, be yourself, but be different. So here was a, you know, um, conservative organization. So it was interesting, you know, the morning of, and it was like, well, uh, Howard, um, you want to go through the teleprompt practice? I said, I said what? <laughs> teleprompt? <laughs> yeah, um, our our speakers use teleprompters. I said, no, I mean, I'm going to move around. I may even come off the stage. I may be out in the audience. Uh, may have y'all doing the Matrix or whatever. <laughs> he, he looked like, hold up, what did I sign up for? <laughs> but literally... Um, you know, but that was part of what I did to engage the crowd. And I literally had someone a year later said, saw me 
in a department store or a home improvement store. He said, hey, man, you were the guy that spoke to us, wasn't it? He said, I remember you did that, had us, your phone, you up on stage, had us cheering, high-fiving each other. I said, hey, it was a celebration. I mean, you know, you guys were getting awards for winning, so what do you do when you win? You celebrate, be happy. And so that was part of my structure with that. But going back to the structure part, I think it's very key is to start with the end in mind and then ask yourself, what are the points that you want to carry? And so as a speaker, what I've started doing is I, I develop what I call my story banks. So overcoming fear. You heard me talk about that first story, you know, of actually being um, on the stage of with your pants soaking wet. You know, I have a story I talk about being in the presence of beauty. And I was on stage when I was in college as SJ president with Jane Kennedy. I mean, one of the most gorgeous women of all time. And, and <laughs> you know, so I had to introduce Miss Kennedy and it was an honor. But man, I was nervous. I was scared. You know, but literally. <laughs> even, even as SGA president in college, we look at that person, confidence, fire, power, got it together. But even then. You had that, have those that. because yeah. anytime, and, and I want you to be comfortable with this as you listen to this, anytime you do something new, there should be a hint of reservation because without friction, you cannot get maximum traction. Okay. That is a principle. That is a principle. There has to be friction in order for things to move. And so for you to move forward, you have to have something to overcome. You know, oftentimes you've seen it, Bridget, I've seen it, those speakers that get up there cocky and they bomb because they, they've not followed the principles of speaking. You know, they've not engaged with the audience. They've not cared about the audience. And so mm. that is the, the key thing. So we talked about beginning with the end in mind, the points that you really want to have for them. And then when you step back even further, now you want to say, okay, what stories support my points okay so for every point you should have the stories that fit the audience that's the key thing that fit the audience it's not about just adding a story for the sake of adding a story I like how you said think about what it is you want them to well this these are in my words what do you want them to know or be able to do starting with the end in mind what do I want them to know or be able to do by the time I'm finished with my presentation what are the three four maybe five points depending on how much time you have to cover the the that number three is just a magical number. People can remember three points more easily than four or five, but you want to stop at five if, if you feel like you oh, have more gosh. to share. <laughs> I'm telling you, three is your magic number. And everybody don't feel like you've got to turn these people into experts in 60 minutes, 90 minutes, two hours. Just scratch the surface. Give them enough to make them dangerous, okay? Give them yep. enough information to make them dangerous. And then think about what stories can you come up with that are going to support any one, two, or all three of those points. And I need to find that book. I think the title is something like 101 Inspirational Stories or something like that. Because I get it. You may say to yourself, mm, I don't know if anybody needs to hear the stories that I have. So you well, can just well, borrow well, but, but, stories see, from that's elsewhere. The you can change but, the name. You, right. Change your name. It's not about you. Okay. <laughs> Take your name out or let everybody know names have been changed to protect the innocent, but come up with stories or, and not so innocent stories that are going to 
illustrate your points. Everybody, if you couldn't tell already, Howard has a passion and a love for teaching and not just teaching, but also training. And he took those passions to start his own business. It's a leadership and sales consulting company called Business Growth Dynamics Consulting. And he's had the opportunity to train, speak, and coach business leaders and businesses all throughout the United States and across waters. And he's crossed over into a couple of foreign countries with his training, speaking, and coaching. And most recently, this is how we got connected. Howard <laughs> launched an HBCU biz uh, organization is a community for HBCU and African-American owned businesses. And when he's not working with clients, when he's not on a stage, Howard is spending time with his wife, Janice, or he's, you know, spending time with, we're not going to call it intruding, but spending time with his college age son, Howard III, who at the time of this conversation is at my alma mater, Prairie View A&M University. Howard can also be found volunteering at his church, also spending with Big Buddy or 100 Black Men, and then just actively serving on nonprofit boards that he's a member of. And by the way, the name of his church, Living Faith Christian Center. I know my church was Pleasant Hill United Methodist Church. That's where I got my start. So speaking of starts, tell me... uh, what is the first paid speaking engagement you can remember, Howard? What was the first paid speaking engagement or maybe just a really big speaking engagement where you felt the pressure? I mean, yes, we heard that one about the SGA mm-hmm. president situation and introducing Ms. Kennedy, but what's one where you were just thinking, I'd better bring it? What was it? What happened? What you were know- the details? I, gosh, you know, that, that's a tough one. I can remember being in front of, um, you know, national organization as a student, even as a CEO student. The beautiful thing about student government president was, and I tell students to get involved, get involved, um, is you had a chance to speak with other students. And, but going back before that, it wasn't paid. The, the first one was uh, Beta Club. I remember speaking as a, a junior, no, senior in high school uh, in front of the Beta Club organization. Didn't know what I was doing at all, but relied on the speech training from Mrs. Posey, uh, my 10th grade teacher, uh, who taught me speech. And I, and I, and I loved it that, um, you know, I just pulled on that. But then as I fast forward, one of the most rewarding ones, and I'll circle back to that, you know, I think about the pay ones. Um, they were all engaging and, and great. But one of the most rewarding experiences was traveling to Guatemala. And we were part of a team that were training, you know, and there's a difference between speaking and training, but they both require the same. They both require caring and sharing. Okay. So I want you to write that down. If you're listening, they both require caring and sharing. It's just a structure. And so we were training people to be trainers and literally 180, it was about 150 to 80, 180 of us came in on a Monday, learn a methodology in two and a half days. And we went out and trained almost 20,000 people in the next two and a half days. So we were going out doing three and a half hour trainings to groups of 50 to 100 people using the translator (laughs) in Guatemala, ranging from, you know, 
I mean, literally in those two and a half days, I trained um, a group of people that were with their Olympic committee, their national sports organization. Um, from there, I went over to train some people with their national department of education. That was on a Friday morning. I mean, guys, this has been five, six years and it's still so vivid. And then that afternoon, came back by the hotel, grabbed a sandwich. Yeah, I said, did say a sandwich, a sandwich, <laughs> uh, and went straight to a hotel to train about 65 ladies from the slum areas that were leaders in their own neighborhood. And we were training them on a process called roundtabling, but one of the most humbling, and that was, and then that Saturday morning, we did the Bank of um, Guatemala. And so literally here I am that Friday afternoon, I still remember this, and it was just so powerful that what training does and speaking does for people in transformation. So in that process, Bridget, we would literally show them how to do it and then coach them through doing it in the time we had. And so there was a lady that came up, she could barely read. And I can remember my translator said, she reads like a first grader. And I can remember, you know, being encouraging to her. But by the third time I said, okay, I need a facilitator. She outran the other ladies up to facilitate. So her fears of reading, her nervousness or whatever it was, she was willing to put that down. And I asked her, I said, why did you outrun her to get here? She said, I wanted to learn this so I could teach it to my community and my family. And what that is what transformation does. That's what speaking and training does. If done right, it actually allows you to transform and impact people you would never meet. Because I'm not going to meet... <laughs> you know, the folks that they went back to teach. So I mentioned the 18,000 roughly. Those 18,000 took people through, 150,000 people through 30 weeks of training because of what we did as a collective group. And so if you're on the fence about speaking, you've got to get up and speak because your message, your stories will transform people that you would never meet. Your message can live on beyond that presentation you don't know what lives you're going to to touch lives that you'll never meet that you'll never know you'll never know their names but yeah. you can put a spark in any one person in that audience and they're going home and they're telling their spouse about oh my goodness I don't remember the name of the <laughs> presenter I don't remember what he had on I don't remember the name of the presentation I remember there was this one thing he said there was this one thing, this one question she asked. Let me just talk to you about it. And the conversations that can come beyond your presentation are invaluable. You don't know who it is you're teaching when you're up there on that microphone. Yes, you've got the people in front of you, these hundred people in front of you, but you don't know the lives and the circles that each one of those 50, 100 people in front of you have, where your message is going to resonate with them and then they sit somewhere else. What's something that surprised you in a presentation where you, because when you, when you talk about the lady that just ran up there where you're like, wait a minute, this is the last person I would have expected to come up here and volunteer for this facilitation role. When have you been surprised in other presentations, either by your own performance 
or someone else's performance in the audience. I know one time I was surprised when I was in DC uh-huh. and all of a sudden I started telling this really personal story. And I was like, I'm having an outer body, <laughs> outer body experience here because I don't do that. I don't talk about my personal life, but it, it was appropriate for the moment mm-hmm. and it wasn't intentional, but it connected with the audience in a way that I just had not planned for, but the moment was just right. And I surprised myself and surprised the audience with the story too. They were like, oh my gosh, really? So when was the time that you were surprised other than being in Guatemala with that lady, but either you surprised yourself or an audience member surprised you or what yeah. happened? No, no, great question. And you know, it did, gosh, <laughs> which time? Um, <laughs> you know, the blessing, um, you know, I, as I, said, I think a lot about the professional speeches, but also I think a lot about the, the um, what I do with youth. So we do some youth development training and workforce development training. And so, you know, I, I think of one that really connected once, um, might've been about six years ago, uh, because this, you know, so I'll set the tone. I was speaking to a group of youth, uh, probably about 200 or so about, you know, living your dream, you know, being in your moment. And so, I always try to find ways to 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 engage and 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 if you ever speak to youth, you got to catch them in the beginning. And so I got there. I say, you know, they're going to have a DJ, and it was going to be exciting. It was in a black box room, um, so I mean, it was, it was cool. And so, literally, I said, "Hey, who in the group is a great dancer?" And um, it was like, "Huh?" I said, "Yeah, I need a great dancer because uh, you know I'm not a I'm not a good dancer." So. I want to um, come out to Cool Mo D. I told the DJ I go to work. And so I need two dancers to come out. And so, of course, they backed off of it. And um, so I said, you know, when the song cut, I said, Shh. man, I tried to get a couple dancers, but I guess that saved me $100 because I had two $50 bills I was going to pay them. And right there, they come right in. I said, duh. <laughs> that is the opportunity. <laughs> if you're good at something and you have the opportunity or if you're passionate about something, do it. Don't worry about the pay. Do what's great and what's in you. The rest will take care of itself, okay? And then I went on into my, you know, that was my point. And so I I drew them in. So when I asked for a volunteer for something else, of course, they thought I was going to pay them. I was like, <laughs> I said, hey, hey, y'all. That ship that. has sailed. That, that's, sailed. that's a done deal. <laughs> but, you know, but the, but the point, so fast forward, probably about two or three months later, uh, I was at Southern on going to a program with my son. And this student come walking down the hall, this young man, hey, Howard, he was calling my son, who's the third, man, your dad is stupid. I mean, he crazy. He was teaching us this. and So my son looking like, dad, what did you do? (laughs) But once again, they would walk away realizing that the next time there's an opportunity to serve with my talents, I need to step up and serve. And that was the whole point of quote, get a job, my get a job training was, it's all about service. Um, gosh, you know, so I think about that all the way to, uh, you know, I mentioned the one that I did uh, with the teleprompter um, where we didn't utilize it. Um, and someone coming to me as recent as, gosh, four months ago, seeing me saying, hey, you know, I've been thinking about what you said. And so we use a, um, I'll share the story how we use it. One of the things we talk about is work, you know, people talk about work-life balance and always share that life is never in balance. Uh, You know, you go through cycles and seasons, you know, when you're birthing, there's a lot more pain 
than when you're raising or when you're retiring. And that's just the way it is. And so I do a, a kind of a skit. I use marching bands in it. Um, my coach helped me develop it. And so I talk about, you know, we always talk about work-life balance, but have you ever been to a halftime show uh, of a football game? Have you ever seen that? No, I'm not talking about LSU and Mississippi State. I'm not talking about that kind of half show. I'm talking about a Southern University on a Prairie View. We're talking about when the marching storm and the human jukebox hit the field. We're talking about, you talking about all kind of harmony happening. You know, so you could have the flag girls, you can have the majorettes, you can have the clarinets, you have the brass, but they're all in harmony. They're never equal. They're never in balance, but they're always in harmony. And when you can get your life like that, man, and actually I march it out a little bit, have some fun with it. But when you can get your life in harmony, you can make sweet music. So there'll be seasons where, yes, you have the big contract, you got to work hard, but you got to say, how do I make sure things are okay with my spouse, my kids? I don't want it out of balance, but it will be out of balance. But does it make sweet music and stay in harmony? And so we go through that as we're talking through that, but I utilize that as an illustration, but I pull in what they may be doing. And so, and this was a cleaning company. And so I was pulling in the fact you may have just gotten this big school contract. And so you may have to onboard all these new people and, and you're cleaning, deep cleaning the school. And all of a sudden now, you know, you're getting home at three o'clock in the morning every day. Is that balance? No, it's not. But that's a season that you got to grow through. And so I challenged them, you know, and I had someone to 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 approach me with that that story that they said, hey, I went through this uh, when COVID hit. I had these opportunities and I shared that with my spouse and asked her to help me allow me to go through this season because things won't be in balance. And he said, I, I remember your story and you sharing that with me. Definitely starting your presentation strong, starting it in a way that gets your audience's attention. I'm telling you, I love that example with those students and asking for two dancers and nobody volunteering well, and then finding out that they had missed out on money. So starting well, strong. Well, I want to say one thing here, Bridget. Important. So go back in. We talked yeah. about the structure and you bring up a great point. Right. So as you begin with the end in mind, you talk about the points you want to make, the stories. Um, one of my favorite lines is you got me at hello from Jerry Maguire. And so the question you ask is, how can I get them at hello? How can I get them at opening? And so after you put all this together, ask yourself, what will my intro be? And just think about any great concert you went to <laughs> the band, the great bands always had a, a, a great, a super intro. And that's how you should be as a speaker. Right. You have this fantastic intro. And at the same time, you want to have a fantastic outro. I hate to say this, but most speakers will probably agree with me. Listeners are not going to want to hear this. Your audiences tend to remember this. This is what they remember the most. The beginning and the end. Everything in the middle, they might remember bits and pieces. But they'll remember how you <laughs> right? It's the Charlie Brown teacher in the middle. So they'll remember what you said at the beginning to draw them in. And they'll remember the end, which is 
it needs to be some kind of a call to action. It needs to be a reminder of, okay, we got started with this. Now, this is what I need you to go forth and do. This is the change that you need to make. This is the transformation that needs to happen now that you have been in this session with me. So they'll remember the beginning and the end, but the middle is eh, a little questionable. Yeah. Now, Howard, you have all kinds of fantastic strategies and stories and conversations. What are some of your go-tos that help you with the middle or, or even help you with the beginning and the end? I mean, your entire presentation, whether it's books, podcasts, people that you talk to, conversations, uh, what, from where do you draw your inspiration to create not just this fantastic beginning and bang up stellar ending, but also content in the middle that draws people in? You know, one of the things that I don't care where you're doing it, whether virtually or, um, you know, in today's environment, or if you're doing it um, in person, is you ask yourself, how can I get people to move physically and emotionally? And so you talk about beginning and the ending, and we talk about rhythm and harmony, is you ask yourself, what kind of rhythm and cadence can I put in the middle so I could bring a person down, but then I can pick them up and hold them there and shake them for a moment. And so sometimes it may be physically engaging with a person or part of the audience. And just depending on whether it's training or speaking determines what you do. You know, if you're in the training environment, that's using your exercises has to be strategic. Calling on people to share has to be strategic. And really what I mean by that is it should be to help cement the learning of a point. It should be to help engage the audience so they can discover from others. Uh, because oftentimes when you're teaching, especially if it's an ongoing workshop, three hours or two hours, is that people begin to tune you out. And so you need different voices, one, to edify what you're doing, two, to help people hear things differently. And so if you're a trainer, don't allow your ego to keep you from doing that. You know, you're not there as, you're there as the expert, but you're not the expert. You know, there are others in the audience that know as much as or more about the subject matter and you pulling it out and being responsible for people learning, they're gonna walk away and say, okay, man, that guy Howard taught me this, but Bridget actually shared the, the, the true, the true discovery. But you, you know, Howard would be responsible for um, driving that point home, and so that's one way of of doing it um, in a training inside of a, a speech or inside of a keynote. If you're doing a keynote, is how can you get people moving? Get them to do something. Um, you know, Les Brown is one of the one of his patented moves is. You know, look at the person to your right and look at the person to your left. And so he's getting you to say something to them because now he's forced you to move, which allows him to help see at that point, but then also helps him to transition onto the next point. So those are just two little tips. 
And I love them. It reminds me of this ABC model that I like to talk about when it comes to moving your audiences, because you said you've got to move them physically. You've got to move them mentally. Everybody, I want you to use this, this ABC model. When you go into a presentation, when you prepare for one, I want you to think about how can you move your audience affectively, behaviorally, and cognitively, affectively. That is moving them emotionally, asking them how do they feel about something? What, what, what wakes them up in the morning? What do they love about X? What do they hate about something, right? So moving them affectively, getting them thinking about how they feel about something, then move them behaviorally. What will they do differently? What are their, what are the, how are their actions going to change as a result of this presentation? Even ask them that question. Now that you know this, what are you going to do differently? Now that you know you could have earned $50 for getting up here dancing, what are you going to do the next time? And then move them cognitively. Move them so that they're thinking differently, so that their mindset is starting to shift just a little bit more in the right direction. So ABC, move them affectively, get into their feelings, behaviorally, get them changing what they do, and then cognitively, get them thinking about how their thinking should change, get them moving in a direction where their brains are operating in a different way. Howard, if there was one last strategy, tip, piece of advice that you could share with our listeners, where if they heard nothing else, they hear this one thing, what would it be? Prepare, prepare well, get out your way and be in the moment. Prepare, give it to us one more time. Prepare well. So that means research, ask the questions, understand your audience. Get out your way. When you show up, get out of your way and then be in the moment. And so what happens is, is all that preparation you've done allows you to tailor it for the audience in the moment. So, you know, I'll share with you. So um, speaking to an organization, they were literally, so I went in early. I always like to go in early if I'm keynoting and hang out with the crowd as much as possible. It's just me, you know, Um, so I get to know people and they get to know me. So I'm not talking to strangers by the time I'm there. You know, um, this organization had a 70s party. So my wife went with me. I had this wig and she had a miniskirt on. So we had fun. Uh, and uh, so then, you know, they had an all day training and the keynote. I said, hey, tell you what, what if I did a training? And they paid me extra for the training. And so we did a training. So I got to know them even deeper. But they were doing a contest to increase their fan page. Uh, on Facebook. So they said, we're at this number and we just use 1500. And so um, they said, by the end of tonight, whatever number we're at, one of our franchisees owners will get a chance to win the difference in cash. And so, you know, they were encouraging people to share like, and, and so of course me being in the moment, I literally said, Hey, let's do this. You know, Guys, y'all need to celebrate. Let's get up and celebrate. Hey, DJ, give me some happy music. And I said, I want everybody to take their phone out, either go Facebook Live or just take a video and say, this is the type of company I work for. Give me 30 or 40 seconds. High five some folks. You know, so I'm from the stage facilitating this, had my camera up doing the same. And the page went up about 800 lights. 
Wow. In the moment. Wow. <laughs> and so the guy that bought me in said, hey, man, I got to go down to the casino floor and get some more cash because, <laughs> 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 but I got out my own way, had some fun. And then, I, you know, went into the presentation that I had prepared. And then a couple of times within, there were things that I'd learned in the very short distance, you know, that morning about people that I utilize. So, you know, prepared well, get out the way, be in the moment. That would be my last. Love it. And also, not and also, that's redundant. Also, get up there and share. Be yep. a river, not a reservoir. These are fans. Hold that stuff in. I mean, hey, you got one time. You know, one of the things I'll, I'll leave this with you is remember that as a speaker, you're responsible for sowing the seeds. You're not necessarily responsible for raising the tree, but if you sow the seeds properly, you never know how many apples may come out of that. And so if you're, if you're listening to the podcast, I want to give you a visual for that. Um, and, and please use this as an exercise if you're a trainer. Take an apple and cut it open. And you ask someone in the audience, uh, how many seeds are in this apple? And oftentimes you can count it and it's literally anywhere from three to six. And now you say, hey, take one of those seeds. How many apples are in that seed? And all of a sudden they start to pause and start our guessing because it depends. If I throw that apple on a, on a ground with no soil, there are no apples in the seed. But if I plant it properly, if I prune it, raise it, give it all the things that it needs. And so your job as a speaker is to sow the seed. If you don't sow the seed, then the trees will never have a chance to grow. So sow the seeds. As a speaker, you're sowing seeds. There's nothing I can add to that. Period. End of story. (laughs) Shut off the recording. Howard, this has been absolutely fantastic. I thank you on behalf of the listeners because I know they have walked away with so much valuable information to help them make sure that they are rocking it out the next time they're on a microphone. Thank you so much, Howard. So, you know, no, thanks a lot for having me here. And and I love what you said, information, but audience, please remember information without implementation for impact will never leave for income. Okay. So, if you can have all the information in the world, if you don't implement it for impact, then you cannot make income from it. So I want to challenge you to implement, 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 but more importantly, measure the impact that your implementation is having. And that's what the world needs more of people like you serving and sharing your story. You know, because you mentioned that, I know listeners are thinking this episode is never going to end. <laughs> I need to I need to tell everyone this. Because of what you just said, Howard, I have to tell them that your name is an acronym for a couple of things. One is, uh, and it's it's your purpose and it's your why. So Howard stands for help others win and realize dreams. And then another acronym for which Howard stands, everybody, is help others win and realize dollars. And if you didn't get that from the last few seconds, then I don't know what to tell you, but he definitely personifies that acronym for which his name stands, Howard White. Thank you a million times over.
Uh, Bridget, thanks a lot. And I'm glad we've connected and look forward to doing great things and, uh, you know, just making and blessing as many people as possible. Keep doing what you do because remember, speaking is a way to share two more. And you have a story that the world would be better off if they know your story and learn the message and the method through your story. So that is something I challenge you to do. Perfect. Everybody, let's make sure we add that to the to-do list and move it to the top of the to-do list is sharing, yes, yes, story, yes. sharing that story because- now Get it to the to-done feel- list. Get it to the to-done list. Get That's what I want to hear. Check, list. Give me that checklist. Move, move it over there. And just like you may feel like your story is a mess, you've heard this before, your mess can be someone else's message. So get it on out there. Everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode and make sure until next time, you always own the microphone.